Good morning. It's so great to see how many folks brave the cold just to be in community here today. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. My name is Reverend Mari Caballero, and I am assistant minister here at First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. If you are here for the first time, we want to wish you a very special welcome. Right now, I'd like to invite us all to greet the holy within our midst by saying hello to the person to your right and left. Holy and beautiful, the custom which brings us together in the presence of the Most High, to face our ideals, to remember our loved ones in absence, to give thanks, to make confession, to offer forgiveness, to be enlightened, and to be strengthened. Through this quiet hour breathes the worship of ages, the cathedral music of history. Three unseen guests attend, faith, hope, and love. Let our, all our hearts prepare them place. Robert French Levins. And now I'd like to ask you to please join me in the words by which we light our chalice. They're found in your order of service. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. If this is your first time here and you're just learning about Unitarian Universalism, you may have heard that we are very diverse in our beliefs. Some come from Christian traditions, some were raised Jewish, some are practicing Hindus, and some are more into earth-based theologies, and some of us are seekers all around, and and. We wonder, well, what in the world, how do they call that a church? (laughs) What do they do there? And one way that you can explain that, and this goes for the folks who've been coming here for decades and meet somebody that says, you know what? One simple answer that just scratches the surface, but it really does get deep as well, is our mission statement, which we say together Every Sunday, and we have conveniently up on the wall, we gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Today's reading is by Melanie Bacon. It's entitled Declaration of Interdependence. She says, We hold these truths to be self evident that all life is interconnected and endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights and responsibilities, that among these are presence, compassion, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights and responsibilities, we open our minds and hearts to the needs of others and our own true needs. We hear the sound of the living universe in our ears and add our voices to the song. We live every moment with awareness of purity and power of existence. And for the support of this declaration, we pledge to each other our love and our breath. 
For the freedom of one is the freedom of the all, and the pain of the one is the pain of the all. The breath of the one is the breath of the all, and the breath of the all is the breath of God. I'd like to invite you all now to join me in the spirit of prayer and meditation. Great spirit of love, of families, of friends, wrap us in the warmth of our interdependence on this cold, cold morning, as we cannot help but shiver too when some don't have homes or heat on such chilly nights. Despite our turkey and our stuffing, our bellies cannot help but ache too when so many go hungry. Even as some rejoice in sweet reunions, we hold in our hearts those among us and unknown to us for whom the holidays are a great time of sadness due to distance, poverty, grief, the absence of familial acceptance or depression. God of many names, protect all who travel. Fill us with gratitude and hope and love. In the name of all that is good and holy. Amen. We have candles alongside these gorgeous windows looking out to the cold rain outside. And I invite you to consider lighting one during our musical meditation. Lighting one while holding in your mind all of your stuff. We all come in here with stuff. We all carry it around with us all week. And some of it is very happy stuff. Some of it is celebratory stuff, joyful stuff, stuff we want to shout yay about, and other stuff is the stuff that's just so heavy. It's just so heavy. It's, it's grievous, and it's difficult. It's the stuff of struggle and worry and anxiety. And we want to set it down. We don't want to carry it all alone, and we don't want to celebrate it all alone. So if you light a candle with this stuff in mind, the flame of that candle can carry your stuff into the air, and it'll become the very air that we all share and breathe. And then you don't have to carry it, grieve it, or celebrate it alone. We'll do it with you. May it be so. My earliest memory of what could be considered an international or intercultural exchange happened when I was four years old. We had just moved from San Antonio to Alpine, Texas, where my mother enrolled in Sol Ross State University after my parents' divorce. We were living in these little white crumbling cottages alongside the freeway that headed into town. They've long since been condemned and torn down. It's for the best. I was what our friends who we stayed with in Africa last month called a a movious child. I love that word. 
a movieous child, meaning I didn't stay put very often. <laughs> I quickly made friends with another little girl around my same age who lived several cottages down. She told me that she was from Egypt and Kuwait. As, just like that, as if it were one word. I thought it was one place, Egypt and Kuwait. And it sounded just like a magical land because her house always smelled like smells I'd never smelled before. And her mother wore a loose scarf draped elegantly around her head and shoulders. And her dad, a geology student at the university, sometimes looked as if he were uh, wearing a dress over his pants. They were cool. They were very cool. One day, I woke up and finished my frosted flakes with record speed, got dressed, and ran to see if my new friend could come outside to play, only to discover that her whole family was still eating breakfast. They invited me in, and I joined them on the floor. So cool. Where they had spread newspapers out and were eating a feast like I'd never seen they had chicken drumsticks, rice, veggies, hot, fresh-baked flatbread, and all before 10 a.m. It was like supper for breakfast. They were so cool. I often got a second breakfast long before I ever knew what a hobbit was. And often my mom was none the wiser. I'd come home and have lunch as if I was still hungry. Since then, I've had the honor and pleasure in various settings of breaking bread with many people from various parts of the world who've come from various circumstances. And there's something about sharing a meal with someone that allows for a deeper understanding of our shared humanity. Maybe that's why so many of our holidays center around a familial shared meal, and we enjoy bringing new people into, into the mix, friends and guests, to eat with us and learn about us as we learn about them. Today, we're kicking off our Guest at Your Table program, which will run through the end of December. Many of you know about this program already. Let's see, how many have heard these words before? Okay, more than, more than I gave you credit for. But <laughs> this congregation has actually uh, participated it, uh, in, in this program um, for every year for quite a number of years now. But many of you don't know about it because it's mainly been a project of the Sunday school and the families with children in Sunday school in years past. This year, we hope to get the whole congregation involved, and it's a lot of fun. As great as it would be, I should tell you, full disclosure, transparency here, as great as it would be to host an international peace worker at your dinner table, I should let you know up front that no one is actually coming to sit at your table as part of this program. There's no guests unless you invite them, but they won't be the people that were on anyhow. So each year, the symbolic guests at your table are four individuals 
Or sometimes, instead of an individual, it's an organization um, that's vetted and chosen by the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, which is an international committee um, that does work to further the spirit of gratitude and justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. This year, the UUSC, the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee, has chosen to work with and feature four people who are all working to empower others to recognize and work toward their own basic human rights. It's the whole give a man a fish versus teach a guy to fish uh, situation here. The way the program works is simple. A small bank is set on the dining room table, and each time there's a meal in the house, a donation, no matter how small, is placed into the bank, as if an extra meal had been paid for. At the end of December, the banks are returned to the church, and the collected money is sent to the UU Service Committee, who continues to work with and financially contributes to the work of our four guests. With prior campaigns, the UU Service Committee sent each participating congregation colorful little cardboard fold-up boxes that had a slot on the top for the money and uh, featured pictures of the chosen peacemakers on the sides. Now this year, for the first time, in an effort to be more environmentally conscious, the organization, the UUSC, has decided not to ever print any more such boxes ever again. Instead, which I kind of like this better, and I heard somebody after the last service say that you put coins in those little folded things and then you lift them off the table and it just falls right out. They never, you had to tape, anyhow, this is better anyway. So instead, folks are encouraged to be creative in acquiring their own loose change receptacles. So in that spirit, our kids are pretty cool and took up that challenge and have repurposed plastic water bottles to create not your average piggy banks. We have doggy banks and froggy banks and flamingo banks, all for 50 cents each. In fact, I'm not really sure that we actually have any piggy banks at all. I I heard rumor of one, but I think it was purchased last service, come to think of it. So to invite one of our guests to your table, or all four of our guests to your table, you may purchase one of these wonderful works of art and imagination at the Lifespan Religious Education Table after church in the gallery. The whopping proceeds at 50 cents each will benefit the Children's Religious Education Fund. Or you can simply use an old coffee can or a mason jar or a shoe or anything that you want to put on your table. It's just something less animalistic. It's a great program that can provide wonderful fodder for not your normal everyday dinner conversation as you can talk about the work of the people that the money is going to. And you can talk about gratitude and about 
caring and helping with one another as you give your money to the guests at your table. It's not your normal conversation unless, of course, your household is anything like mine. I remembered last week my Aaron saying to me, can we have one night without talking about conquest? (laughs) I don't even remember the context, but I'm sure it was some lovely rant of mine. And I just look at her and say, have we met? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) I would like to introduce you to one of our many dinner guests that we're honoring this year and their work. In the pamphlet, Stories of Hope, that's also available at the Lifespan Religious Ed table after service, we learn about Danielle Noose, who, through her organization, which translates in English to the Bright Educators of Delmas, the acronym uh, in French is G-E-A-D, she's teaching people in the most devastated areas of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, How to Grow Personal Gardens in Recycled Tires. Haiti has plenty of garbage, uh, such as discarded tires. What it doesn't have much of, however, is easy access to affordable, healthy food. Their initial project trained 60 families to make tire gardens, which allowed them to grow cabbage, eggplants, spinach, and other food that's healthy to eat and valuable to sell. And GEAD uses popular education, which invites Haitians to work together to learn from one another and combine their resources and find solutions that benefit the entire community. Popular education, the basis behind it is um, the understanding that everyone has wisdom that they already bring to something that they're learning that's new. And everyone can learn from each other. Um, So Danielle shared... The GEAD model with the UU Service Committee, it is, we are all one, we remain one, and we will die one. Danielle says that in order to achieve common goals, honest communication is everything. The group that started GEAD finds success because each member is able to speak freely about their dreams and fears. She believes that community members must talk openly and work together. Because they may all have the same goals and not know it if they don't speak up. The next step for GEAD is to open its own training center in the heart of Port-au-Prince. So that they can train more families to do tire gardens at a faster rate. It would also allow GEAD to locally produce compost a vital material that currently must be brought in from the countryside at a great expense. Danielle believes that providing training for youth is especially important because moving communities forward is a responsibility shared by every generation. Her goal is not just to teach her fellow Haitians to plant seeds and grow food, but also to plant the seeds of community organizing and empowerment so people may rebuild their lives. Please pick up a copy of Stories of Hope or download it from the UUSC website to hear 
more about Danielle and and what motivated her in her childhood to do this work in her community. You'll also read a bit about Nelson Escobar, the second of our four, who came to the U.S. from El Salvador as an asylum seeker, only to discover firsthand oppressive working conditions. Instead of shirking in fear and keeping quiet and tucking his head down, Nelson now helps others to overcome barriers, learn about their rights, and access support from workers' centers and other organizations. You'll read about our third guest, Malia Villard Apollon, who works to end gender-based violence also in Haiti and provides support to survivors. Malia is educating and empowering women to know their legal rights and to talk more to one another to create safer communities and end the silence. George Friday, our fourth guest this year, trained in community organizing as a kid, actually. Her story is is very neat. And she began building coalitions and now helps people realize the strength of their combined voices and the value of grassroots knowledge and expertise as she travels and teaches. Around the time that I was discovering that Chicanos actually don't own the monopoly on delicious breakfast food because chicken drumsticks, they do rival chorizo and eggs for breakfast. It's pretty awesome to eat your supper for breakfast. I highly recommend it. And to eat your breakfast for supper. So around that time, I was also being taught the importance of neighbors by a Mr. Reverend Fred Rogers. He stood in my TV in his little cardigan and asked me daily through song if I would please be his neighbor. And he modeled how to be a good one. It wasn't until adulthood, upon learning more about Mr. Rogers, that I realized that he probably wasn't only talking about your friends who live next door or across the street when he spoke of neighbors. This Presbyterian minister was speaking of being a neighbor, of doing it, doing neighboring, of neighbor as a verb, neighboring. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Mr. Rogers continues to teach us and this, as this quote grew viral after the Sandy Hook shooting last year, he said once, When I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, Look for the helpers. You'll always find people who are helping. 
To this day, and especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words. And I'm always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers, so many caring people in this world. Our neighbors might live across the street, across the country, or across the world. We may never meet. I'll say this, we will never meet all of those who are our neighbors. And who are the helpers? This week, we recognize the 50th anniversary of the death of another prophetic soul who taught us about this type of neighboring as well. In his famous inaugural speech, President John F. Kennedy reminded us that with a good conscience, our only sure reward, with history, the final judge of our deeds, let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessing and his help, but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. We sit here today and we declare our interdependence. We must be the neighbors. We must be the helpers. And sometimes we must be the guests at someone's table. Always, we are God's hands. Go in peace, in generosity, in gratitude. Be safe. May it be so. Amen. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.